this week on Recruitment Flex. Your reasons for not disclosing salaries are probably BS. Microsoft, with a new pay transparency announcement, tried to lead the way. And have you leveraged TikTok for recruitment purposes? And can doing push-ups finally get people into the office? Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge and as always joined by Shelly Billinghurst. Shelly, you look great today, actually. Did you get a new camera? Did you adjust your lighting? Uh, I usually look good, but now you look great today. Thank you. That is so nice of you to say. Actually, I'm trying some new cosmetic tips. Having a daughter who's 18, she's so into makeup and she's like, mom, you really should try. Yeah. Thank you for noticing. That is really nice of you. Thank you. Kudos to Brooklyn. (laughs) Helping her poor old mom out. It's good because we're leaving what in three weeks to go to Wreckfest. Have you started packing yet? Like you straight up the type of No, I'm the type that'll pack like hours before. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you, I had a little bit of a panic attack this morning because I couldn't remember what was the expiry date on my passport. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh, I I just made a beeline for the safe where I keep (laughs) my passport and I'm good till 2028. However, what did expire was my driver's license. And you usually need two pieces of government issued photo ID. I'm going to book it over to the licensing center and get my driver's license renewed because <laughs> it always expires on your birthday, right? It does. So it expired yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yes. So I've so been driving you, illegally. Look at you. <laughs> Without a valid driver's edge. license. So what are you excited the most about Wreckfest? I have such anticipation of meeting that many of my peeps It's being surrounded by like-minded people, but in such enormous numbers, I know it's going to go really quick because it's only one day. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to savoring every moment and being able to meet all the people that have been so wonderful to come on the show. We're going to meet every single one of them that were so generous with their time to help us get started. Yeah. And now we're going to ask for more time from them because I'm going to be chasing everyone around with a mic and (laughs) getting their perspective of what's going on. So after breakfast, everyone will get a lot of content if we're not too drunk because from what I hear from Wreckfest, it's really debauchery as far as this outdoor (laughs) festival and maybe not debauchery in that way. Outdoor festival with a lot of alcohol. So I'm really excited. You're uh, most I, looking forward to the alcohol. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, not you know, Puritan I, Surge. Yeah, I don't drink. I'm I'm just a party. It is exciting. Three weeks from now, we're also going to be at Disrupt HR London, which should be yes. fun as well with Tim Sackett hosting. We'll probably meet a lot of people in the industry that we have met through Zoom, but yeah. never met in person. I think I've met two people in person since the pandemic started. This is going to be new to me. I'm getting out of my comfort zone. I have to leave the basement. <laughs> Jeez. Sure and if the audience to. could see you right now, listen, everybody <laughs> telling you, search is wearing a down jacket and a zip up sweatshirt underneath it. 
He looks like he's ready to face a minus 30 winter. What is going on, Serge? Are you going to put a toque on soon or what? I had a toque, actually. It's freezing (laughs) in my basement and I don't like turning up the heat in the summer. This is hilarious. Not exactly typical June weather today, but... No, we've had so much rain. For our listeners, in 2013, Calgary, the whole downtown got completely flooded. Obviously, we're in a better position to mitigate it as we were in 2013, but went for a walk this morning by the river here close to my house, and it's definitely at the top. Like It's pretty intense. It is. I drove by the river last night, and what is normally a bare piece of land or an island in the middle of the river is gone. Mm. Like it's covered. I don't think it's going to be the flooding that we saw in 2013. So listen, everybody out there, we're safe. (laughs) I'm on high ground. How about we jump right into our recruitment insights? You lead the way, Shelly. Awesome. Sir, there's so much talk right now about some legislation coming down around companies being forced to post a pay range when they advertise a job. The other side of this for us as recruiters, I haven't heard anybody disagree. I haven't spoken to a single talent acquisition person who wasn't all for it, but Indeed has an economist who does this sort of research right across Canada, and they also have some really great research being done, and they publish it in what they call Hiring Lab. What we came across was, what are the four core reasons that companies are just digging their heels in, not to disclose salary. The first one, and I'm sure everyone can agree with this, is companies want to be able to determine a new employee's salary based on their experience and skills. So survey says about 41% of employers, that is their reason not to disclose salary. The second one is companies want to be open to negotiate when it comes to salaries and don't want to limit applicants. That's 34% of those surveyed. And then the third one is they don't want to limit applicants by posting a salary that's different than what they desire. That one will be a good discussion. And then I was really surprised by this surge because coming in at only 7%, where I thought this would be the number one reason. But according to this survey, only 7% said that they pay existing employees at the same level differently and don't want to make adjustments to their internal pay rates. So I would have thought that had been way higher. So let's go back up to the top. What would be point counterpoint to employers who say that they want to be able to determine new employee salaries based on their experience and skills? First of all, can I just say that I think a lot of these reasons for not disclosing salary are complete bullshit. (laughs) I completely agree with you that the bottom one is 7% is the driving factor because I've talked about this before. My biggest challenge Mm -hmm. in talent acquisition and working with the leaders is exactly that reason. But no one wants to admit that one. If you look at it, want to determine new employee salaries based on their skill and experience at 41%, oh, complete BS. That number is way lower. Oh, yeah. I think that is the most politically acceptable excuse is to say that. And Indy's answer, and I think it's accurate, is posting a salary range doesn't preclude you from hiring and negotiating based on experience and skill. I think that's the statement is calling bullshit. (laughs) Oh, I I think it's complete bullshit. But where this is still valuable is a lot of hiring managers are going to say this to recruiters. And for us as recruiters to have an answer back that is 
not yeah. saying what you're saying is complete bullshit, because I think I've said that before to a hiring manager when they that would likely wouldn't go over well. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Open to negotiating when it comes to salary and do not want to limit applicants. What they're saying here is we're doing this for the applicants. We're not doing it for us. The answer that Indeed has here is you can still negotiate within the salary range. And then you've mentioned this many times, Mm -hmm. larger organizations, there's a very strict limit of where they put their salary range, right? There's a compensation department and there's a reason that you can't go above it, but you're saving tons Mm -hmm. of time if you put a realistic range compared to not putting anything in at all. So now you're expecting a candidate to go in and play that game with you. How much money are you looking for? And there's probably going to lowball themselves in some ways because they don't want to disqualify them right at the start. So we're all playing the game between the employer and the candidate, trying to figure out what the right range is. It kind of feels like the showcase showdown on prices, right? <laughs> it really does. It's like, I'm going to keep you guessing. And this is how the game is played. Or it reminds me of when you go to some countries where they love to barter right? That's just baked right into the culture. That's what this is creative. We're not discussing about picking up a souvenir. This is somebody's career and their livelihood. This is being respectful of their time. As we go down through this list, the next one being, I don't want to limit applicants by posting a salary that's maybe different than what they want. Again, calling bullshit because the trend is clearly applicants won't even apply (laughs) if they don't know the compensation range. The opposite of what the reality is. The top three that we're talking about here are very similar. They're almost identical, just a little bit different in the wording. You're 100% right. By not having a salary range, it limits the type of people that will apply to your role. You're actually doing yourself a disservice. I can tell you, and you probably know as a recruiter listening, that all three of these are bullshit. The one that really matters, and if you want to know the answer when someone says, you may be limiting applicants who will not apply without knowing the compensation range. And I'll tell you, I'd be one of those applicants because I don't want to be wasting my time. I don't want to be wasting your time. So why are we wasting candidates' time by hoping that their salary range is the right one, scheduling a call with your recruiter, and then realizing that you might be I don't know, 50,000 off, 100,000, God knows, depending Mm -hmm. on the type of role. We know as employees what we need to make to sustain our lifestyle, but there's also the factor of where we are in our career and how much we want to make. And those are not mutually exclusive. The -hmm. last one, which is at 7%, is the real reason. And I get it. Look, I completely get it. They pay existing employees at the same level differently and do not want to make adjustments to their pay. I get it. I saw it during 2021 when we're Mm -hmm. starting recruiting and we have to bring in people at 30 to 40% more than what we're paying our existing employees. That could have a dramatic impact to the organization as far as upskilling and increasing everyone's pay. What happened was we ended up hiring a lot more people at higher rate our turnover just went through the roof. So instead of increasing the pay of the people that have been in the organization for a long time, have all this knowledge, are already successful in their role, but we're going out and recruiting them at that 30% more, plus the cost of recruitment and everything associated with it, 
This is the real reason why most hiring managers don't want to do it or most executives. Absolutely. And the answer they have here is this will eventually come to light and could cause a breach of trust with prospective and current employees. Bang on. People know each other's salary now. Employees talk. Shelly, is there an organization that you could keep this confidential? No, I don't think there is such a thing. I really don't. Maybe two weeks on the job, they're going to say, so uh, what's your pay rate? Or the first time they go out for beer, which is usually the first couple of weeks that you're working. Everybody wants to know. Yeah. Absolutely. It will be uncovered for sure. It's a great survey, but yeah. it's still BS, not because of Indeed, oh, it's because no. what the employers are <laughs> yeah. actually sharing. And we know that's not the truth. They're giving the most politically correct answers. At the end of the day, they yes. don't want to increase the pay of their existing employees in a tight labor market. Yeah. It's a big corporate decision for sure. So speaking of big corporate, Microsoft in the news just this week where they have publicly announced what they're terming as employee workforce initiatives, where one of those things is increasing pay transparency. The article goes on to say these new policies, they're coming into effect as soon as January, 2023. Now I'll cut them a little slack. Microsoft is a huge organization and I can't imagine the amount of planning and thought that would have to go into, first of all, making this public statement and then following through on it. Are you reading between the lines at all on this, Serge? What do you think? I think what they're doing, and I might be completely wrong, is they're trying to get ahead of the curve. They know this is coming. They know this is something that will be legislated in most states and in most countries that they're in. Being upfront, being seen as one of the market leaders that's driving this, they're totally leveraging this as a recruitment tool. They're leveraging this as a way to compete with the other big companies like Apple and Amazon. They want to be leading the way, which I think is the main reason why they're doing this. They know it's coming, so why not be ahead of it? There's a couple of initiatives that they announced with Pay transparency being a key one. Empowering employee mobility, which is we're going to do better workforce planning and set them up as far as their career at Microsoft's hoping mm-hmm. to drive more retention. Fostering a safe space for concerns uh, seems just like HR lingo for we're going to listen to you, but probably not do anything about it. But the biggest one is increasing pay transparency. It's coming. If your organization is still really reluctant to disclose pay or salaries, you're going to be lagging behind. It's going to cause major issues with you as you're trying to promote your job, because this will become, if not already, the expectation of job Mm -hmm. seekers. Yeah. The other part of this employee workforce initiative was the banning of non-compete clauses. Yes. That was the other point, which is very interesting. I know we talked about this a couple of months ago. What is the point of a non-compete clause? Certainly in Canada, I think our conclusion was this is a waste of paper, but removing it from US employee agreements and not enforcing it for existing workers outside of their senior leadership team, which makes sense. Because yeah. if the further up you go in your ability to influence the direction of the company and companies that are public, you do have to have that sort of thing in place. What I liked about their pay transparency was that they will disclose salary ranges for internal and external. External is what we're always seeing, but the fact that they're now publishing it on all internal job postings as well. If you're going to really get behind employee mobility, 
people need to know if I'm going to apply for a job that is based in another country or in another part of the country, you need to know what the pay rate is. Yeah, I think if you're going to do external, you have to do internal. Thank you for bringing up the Mm non-compete. I kind of missed that one because it came from feedback from their employees saying, look, you're leveraging this as a retention tool, and this is not the right way to look at retention. You're forced here because if you go to the competition, we're going to come after you. We all know that's not enforceable, but most employees don't well, know the US that's it not is. enforceable. It is, but it's well, not. It's still very tough in the US to be able to enforce it. Well, it's like the old David and Goliath, right? Say you leave Microsoft and go to what they deem to be a direct competitor. Your new employer and you have not a hope if the lawyers at Microsoft come after you just by their sheer size of organization, if they're going to enforce the non-compete, you don't have a chance. And my thoughts on non-compete is really you're taking advantage of people within the organization, your employees, that you're hoping that they're just not going to contest it. You're leveraging as a retention Mm -hmm. strategy. We still see it way too often on roles that are just ridiculous. If you're going to have a non-compete for someone working in a retail location, come on, give me a break. It doesn't really have an impact to the organization. There is cases, there's definitely cases, I think you nailed it as far as senior executives, but what I've seen, it's just become standard boilerplate in every agreement. Legal put it in there, but in Canada specifically, why is it in there? So if you're in recruitment in Canada or even in the US, it's something that you have to broach because it is going to hurt you for people with multiple options. They're going to limit where I can go work and make a living by putting a non-compete compared to the company that doesn't, especially if you have a very specific skill set. So I've worked in the job board industry for a long time and that's where my skill set is. That's where I have a lot of experience. But now you're going to limit that I can't go work at a competitor. Come on, give me a break. Exactly. So Shelly, I want to move on to the next topic. Three, four months ago, we talked about TikTok for recruitment and launching their TikTok resume. And I wanted to rehash that conversation because the TikTok resume or whatever that was, it's not going to work out. Or maybe it is. I haven't seen the data, but I haven't heard anything. I've been looking for articles to see, is it Mm -hmm. working? What are the results? And I'm getting nothing. But, but here's what I want to talk about. TikTok has become by far the most dominant social media network. It's actually the most visited site in the world. We talk about it all the time that you have to be where your job seekers are. If you're targeting a particular demographic, I think a lot of people laugh off TikTok being it's like 14-year-old mm-hmm. teenagers doing dances. That's not the reality. If you look at the numbers of the people that are going on TikTok, the demographics are all across the board. Is it dominated by Gen Z and millennials? Absolutely. But there's a big slice of the pie across all demographics that are on TikTok. There's a cautionary tale. A lot of people are going to do what they've done with social media recruitment on every other channel, which is what they would put on their website and put it on social media. While it's not going to work on any social media channel, and I still see it on a daily basis, like, well, go on LinkedIn. How many were hiring and links to the job post with no story behind it? We see it on Facebook every once in a while. You can't leverage TikTok in the same way. 
I am a big proponent that a lot of this can't be done by the corporation. It has to be done by employees and it has to be done correctly because if you don't, you're going to look foolish. What's your overall thought? And I know it's been a couple of months since we've talked about TikTok. And the mm-hmm. reason I want to bring it up again is the audience is so massive that as recruiters, we'd be crazy not to look at it. As recruitment marketers, yes, but not as recruiters. TikTok resumes or TikTok recruitment is not really taking off because it's a platform for marketing your brand, showcasing your employer brand. Yes, there's a huge marketplace here, but this is the job of a recruitment marketer, not a recruiter. Thinking that you can share across different channels the same material you put on LinkedIn Oh my God, it just emphasizes how out of touch you are and how you really failed to even research who is your target audience and what is it that they want to see and hear. As we know, a year ago, recruitment marketers and advertising people taking notice is when, was it Sherwin-Williams? They got totally canceled for when one of their employees was doing TikTok videos on mixing paint. Yes. So that cautionary tale is more about it can be used against you if you're not really paying attention to why this audience is watching this and what they watch it for. But using it as a here's a job, apply to this job, it means you're out of touch. You are completely out of touch with what TikTok is and what it does. That's my thoughts. Yes, you're right. I should have clarified is more recruitment marketing than recruiters. There's still some assets that recruiters can leverage in certain ways. And it's not about just sharing jobs. It's creating that personal brand as a recruiter. And Kim Wilkinson's perfect example, not that she's using TikTok, but she's using Reels really well on Instagram, which would be very similar. Yes, there's a cautionary tale, but I've seen some quick service restaurant, fast food do a really good job. One restaurant that is showing, okay, this is how we make our nachos, showing the employees doing it, how they do it. It makes me interested to know what the process is of what it is to do the actual job. I think that's really cool. And similar to that gentleman that was doing that for Sherwin Williams, like shame on Sherwin Williams, because That was the perfect example. It was really cool to see how he was mixing paints, how he was being creative with it. Sherwin-Williams should have promoted him to be their social media manager because to go viral on TikTok, it shows that you know what you're doing. Well, and it just shows how unaware they are as a corporation about the value of it. So what is the most interesting thing that we see with TikTok is their algorithm. I know you're on TikTok. I know you go oh, yes. videos and you probably, <laughs> yeah, you probably live on your for you pages and it really figures out who you are, which is creepy because for a while, all I was getting is Amber Heard and Johnny Depp troll. And I couldn't care less about <laughs> that troll in any ways, but that's what the videos that was showing on TikTok for me. I'm like, okay, I need to figure out a way to change this algorithm. The minute they would pop up, I would just automatically swipe up to go to the next one, hoping that the algorithm would catch it. But going viral in TikTok is very difficult. How popular you are determines if you're going to show up. 
A lot of companies or people leveraging it, if they don't become viral, it becomes a complete waste of time. First of all, I love the editing software. It's all there. You can create pretty cool videos of just leveraging the app. That's the first place you start. Even if you don't go viral, you don't show up in the For You page, you can still share that video on other social media channels where it's going to have a pretty big impact. Every time that I see a TikTok video on LinkedIn, I look at it. I'm interested to see what it is. And most of the time, it's something related to company brand, employment brand, or funny video. There's a bunch of HR type of videos that are interesting. You know what's my favorite on TikTok? Who? HR Manifesto. Yes. Oh, my God. Chad Sowash just did a couple of TikToks with her, right? She is so good. She's so good. I just love her. She's my favorite. So a couple of quick tips. You can share your video on other channels. It's a great way to create some pretty creative videos fairly quickly without worrying too much about production costs or anything because everything's done on your iPhone. It still has a good look and feel, and that's what job seekers are telling us they're looking for. It's a great way to showcase your brand across the board, both your employment brand, but your brand itself. But you have to be creative. You have to give value to the audience of where they want to come. No one wants to hear why you're such a great place to work showcase exactly like how do you make that special nacho at your restaurant and the employee doing it i think that's tons of value in that end you got to put in perspective that users are not looking for jobs on the platform they're not that's not what they're looking for but it doesn't mean that if they see a really cool company they won't apply the other factor is trying to source on tiktok good luck it's not a sourcing tool it's a recruitment marketing tool but let's move on Yeah, we've talked a lot about work from home and the whole Tesla versus uh, Airbnb debate. And I don't want to talk about it much more than what we have. Mm -hmm. Time will tell exactly who's going to win out this battle. Mm -hmm. But what I found interesting, so Starbucks founding CEO Howard Schultz came back into the fold, I believe, a year ago, he had a presentation where we, he was talking about the culture internally. And one of the things that he said is, I've tried everything. Look, I've tried to get people to come back to work. I pleaded with them. I said, I'll do push-ups, whatever you want, come back. And I think it's been pretty disappointed because employees have not been rushing back and pushing back really hard. We're talking about corporate office, here. but just the fact that Howard Schultz is 69, I think he is in a position right now that he's trying to go back to the old days by realizing that those days are done. This is a new way forward because there's nothing that I've been able to do to get them back in the office and excited about it. So what was your overall thoughts here? Yeah, same as you. I vaguely recall what was the situation around why Schultz came back, but I don't think that's even material. What I found interesting was if pleading with people, getting on your knees and doing push-ups still says you don't get it because everybody has a price, right, Serge? But I saw no reference to the fact that what have you done to say, okay, what do you want? What would it take for you to come back to the office? Because if you were going to give me an increase of 20% to come back, okay, I'll come back. Like I saw no mention of that in here. And because this whole episode has been about pay and pay transparency, that's what I saw is really absent from this Business Insider article around the Starbucks CEO begging people to come back. Let's talk about 
why they want them back in the office. He did point out something really interesting. He says that it looks like people are actually working at home. And to me, those statements are so fascinating because it goes to a very similar statement that Elon Musk, that people working from home Mm. are pretending to work. And the way I look at work is what I do, not where I do it. I've been working remote for a long time and you have as well. And we probably work as hard, if not harder than we ever had working in an office. I don't think there's a, any difference at all. I just find it really fascinating that these people that have been working in an office for so long don't realize there's actually work being done when people work from home. Like it seems like a foreign concept. And it makes me think that these CEOs are not very disciplined because they're trying to put themselves in their shoes. If I was working from home, I wouldn't get a whole lot done. So I'm like, how did you become a CEO if you're not disciplined at all? That's what you're telling me. You're putting your own thoughts that everyone is like you. And that's not the case. There's a different type of discipline. I'm glad you drew that parallel to Elon Musk because I wasn't making quite that connection, but you're absolutely right. Because in this same article, Schultz decides that he is going to share with everyone. Listen, I personally go in the office at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. regularly. Like, why would he feel the need to point that out? The boss goes in at seven or he sleeps in his office. Okay, but that's not the way it is anymore. Even have to do, who gives a fuck? He's the owner. He's a billionaire. Right. It says everything about the culture. The very fact that he referenced that is that he's still stuck in the past. Yes. I come in. So I expect you to come in that same amount of time. And I expect you to have the same dedication that I do as the billionaire owner. If a business owner has that expectation that their employees are going to give a fuck as much as they do about the business, they're delusional. Or make them owners. Well, make them owners. Yeah. So on that note, I think we've covered a lot of things that are a little bit different. I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen with paid transparency. How many times have I heard, we don't want to give a reason to candidate not to apply because they're going to think I'm asking for way higher and giving them the chance to negotiate. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. We're calling you out on that bullshit right now. (laughs) What else is going on in your life? Anything else, Shelly, this week? I did actually meet with somebody in person. This week. So I did emerge from from my home office and it was really nice. Even in the pouring rain, it really was nice to be out. And I have actually plans to be out again this week. So yeah, I guess this is my warm up for Wreckfest. You say I'm stuck in my basement, but I probably go out more (laughs) often than you. You probably do. Shelly, another great episode. But on that note, toodle-a-doo. Anyways, I don't know. Goodbye. Goodbye. The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. 
Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.